as we leave the gate, please make sure your seatbelt is fastened. To fasten, insert the metal tip into the buckle and adjust the strap so it's low and tight across your lap. To release the belt, lift the top of the buckle. Remain seated with your seatbelt securely fastened any time the seatbelt sign is on. Even if the sign is off, we ask that you keep the seatbelt fastened while seated in case we experience some unexpected turbulence. Welcome to episode seven of the Four Feathers podcast. I am Johnny Nani, and I'm live in studio with Tyler Jones. We got Tony Marchese and Ron Luce on the call. What's up, boys? What's going on, guys? How are you? Good. We got past our technical difficulties, and we're finally on the record end of the spectrum here, so... Well, you know, technical difficulties happen. Uh, we're just happy that uh, that Tyler was able to figure it out. I am a mad scientist. I think so. The uh, the plane is uh, finally off the runway, boys. Yeah, finally leveled out a little bit there. We just you know, it, that on it was account. it was a really rough takeoff. That's probably one of the worst takeoffs I've ever experienced. I'm I don't like you know turbulence. Not a big turbulence guy. Uh, there was a lot of turbulence there. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I'm just very lucky that I that I had that pre flight drink. <laughs> yeah, well, we're all in that level, Tony. So uh, Hawks had a little bit of rough turbulence over this past week. Um, this past week on Thursday, they uh, beat the Rangers at home four to one, and then Saturday night in St. Louis got beat seven to three, and then Sunday night. Uh, lost in overtime to Edmonton, two to one. So, uh, Ron, what were your takes on those games? Yeah, I mean Thursday night they they I would argue they played probably their best team game of the entire season to this point. Um, it was looking really good. I mean, I know New York is not the team that they used to be anymore, but um, that's how you should look against bad teams. You know, you should be beating up on them. You should play a very good well-rounded team game and they did um yeah saturday was not pretty um not not particularly happy happy about it um early on looked okay at least they were trading chances it was still close and then you know st louis breaking it open there late um you know and then i mean if we're being totally honest uh, as soon as, you know, that game went to three on three, you're like, oh, God, I hope McDavid does not have the puck in overtime. <laughs> Please don't have the puck in overtime. And sure enough, he does. And, you know, he shows why he's the the best player in the NHL right now. But, I mean, for, you know, how bad they looked Saturday late in that game with St. Louis making that run and uh, for them to be, at least salvage a point on Sunday is, I guess, something positive. Yeah, for sure. Um I mean, it, it it was only three games uh, the, since the last time we recorded. Um, obviously, it's small sample sizes here, so one and uh, one and one, and that puts a map for that. Oh, one, but um, I don't know. the The Edmonton game wasn't overly terrible, like the last time we had a Sunday second half of a back to back against Tampa Bay. So I guess that was encouraging to see there, and they had a couple chances uh, to bury it, but just weren't able to. So. Um, Got another big three coming up later this week, so um, hopefully it's a little bit of time off. Gives them a little time to regroup. How about Burrish's take on fucking Lundquist during that Rangers game? Oh, my God. So I I missed that. Um, I never never really watched the pregame show. Um, Anyone want to explain to me what the hell happened there? So he said... And I'm pretty sure this is as close to a quote as possible, so no fake news. Um, he said that if Lundqvist was 10% better throughout his entire career, he might have a Stanley Cup. Oof. You know, you better put the, uh, this is not fake news, uh, <laughs> Donald Trump, you know, 
uh, clip in there when you said that, but that that's a pretty hot take coming from a guy like Burrish. But I, I mean, think has... had insult to injury too. He didn't he say that there's at, at least five goalies that he would rather have on his team than yeah, Lundqvist. he did. He said he's overrated. He thinks that he's overrated. And he, yeah, yeah, he'd pick. Five yeah, he more said he him. thinks he's overrated. Yeah, fuck man, like so I don't here's know. My question. That's a hard here's my question. sell. Can Adam Burrish beat? Lundquist. No. Uh, if you give him, Absolutely if you give not. him seven shots, seven penalty shots, how many times has Adam Burrish beat Lundquist? Zero. In, in Zero. a in a shirt out. He did say out. he had the best hair in the NHL, though. So I guess I mean it's a trade off. <laughs> no, 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 no. I want, I want, I want your honest take. I mean, do you think he could actually beat him? No, absolutely not. No, Adam. Not Bur- even once. Not even once. I don't think Adam Burrish beats him once. No way. Not with those hands. Stone. Who would win in a fight? Oh, Adam Burrish. Yeah, Adam Burrish. Burrish. All right, now there you go. The shreds. That's Adam all that Burrish really matters. Right? There you go. <laughs> yeah, with the that overrated comment though, because you're saying like over the past ten years or whatever that Lundqvist was probably one of the most overrated goalies, just basically because he didn't have the accolade of a Stanley Cup championship. So. Which is ridiculous though, because his team has not been, you know. I wouldn't say outstanding at any point. I think his goaltending is what made them a decent team for the last five years, you know? Or yeah, at least kept well, them in. Well, here's say, another question. Who's the most overrated goalie in the NHL over the past five years? Tuka Rask. Yeah, I, I like that answer. Yeah, that's Rask. actually a pretty good answer. Um, well, they're st- aren't they starting Halak over him right now? I don't know if they're necessarily starting him over him like claiming Halak's number one necessarily, but I mean, Halak, I think has gotten a lot of games so far. To yeah. Start I think it's more uh, just going with the hot though. hand. You're right, Ron, but still like, I don't know, just kind of, you know, with Tuka Rask, you know, when Crawford comes back, he's our number one, no matter what. And then yeah, Tuka Rask right. is coming in has you know, struggles early on, obviously they get whipped by Washington first game of the year. And then, Oh, uh, well, you know, we're going to go with uh Yaroslav Halak who couldn't even cut it as a York, backup yeah. in, St. Louis? I don't know. And New York, too. What, wait, yeah. did he start New York when he was on the Islanders? Mm-hmm. He probably traded. To, I think, I think he, when he maybe for a little bit. Got yeah. There, yeah. Well, does anybody put uh, Pecorine in this I was this thinking that, actually. I was. Yeah, I mean, it, for, for, the, for kind of the same reasons as the Lundquist stuff, guy doesn't really have uh, a championship. Obviously, um, deep playoff runs. What would, would, would they've won on one of them now? Um, right, right. But the guy Tony, gets he, a lot of credit, but I, he hasn't really proven anything, has he? Has he? Has he proven anything? But he's got a, a regular season Western Conference champion banner hanging in Bridgeton. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I forgot about that banner. Shit. Yeah, All one right. of those banners someone should have top uh, photoshopped in really tall goalie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. The other guy I was gonna go with was Quick, but you know he oh. does have some cups. But over the past, when was LA's some last medals cup? Too right. Uh, fourteen. Fourteen. So last five years, does Jonathan Quick fall into that? I don't, I just don't even think anyone thinks of him as a top goaltender anymore you know what i mean like after i feel like after maybe 2015 it started to die off like his hype wasn't there anymore because weren't they didn't they switch him out last year too a couple times yeah someone else was playing i know he had some injury issues but still uh, almost every goalie does it seems like bold statement from adam burrish there to even open up that Whole, uh, yeah, but I, I, I think that that would be a. I, I want to hand this to Pecorine right now. I want to hand this award to Pecorine as most overrated goalie. I'm gonna my votes to Karask. Ron, what do you think? I don't know. I'm kind of torn down the middle because I would. You're the I stats mean, guy. Let's look at some stats. Sure. I mean, we can look at some stats. Well, I mean, one stat I can point out that differentiates Tukarask and Pecorino is Tukarask, I believe, has was, – wasn't Cups, he yeah. up for the 2011 Cup? Yeah. In Boston? Tim Thomas so, was the starting oh, Tim goalie there. Tim Thomas. Holy shit. Yep. Powerful yeah. mustache. Wasn't it, wasn't it Thomas and Rask was their goalie combo? Yeah, Thomas played all the way down the stretch, though, that whole series against Vancouver. 
Tess sure, 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 sure. Sweet lip luggage. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think for pure hate of the guy or disdain because he plays for Nashville, I think I would happily be willing to hand it over to Pecorino. That's fair. I mean, I I would love to hand this over to Pecorino. I just want to get a little stat check, and I can hear you typing away madly mm-hmm. at at uh, whatever stat website you're going to to kind of put this together. But, you know what uh, else doesn't while, help while... this case though? A good decor in front of them. Yossi, Subban, like they have good guys in front of them. I yeah, mean, that's the other thing too. And before that, they had uh, what was it, Shea Weber over there too. Right. Seth Seth Jones started his career there. Oh yeah. shit! Mm-hmm. So he's always had a really solid decor in front of him. Whereas Boston, it's kind. Of, I mean, McAvoy is definitely an up and coming star. Chara has always been solid, but nothing yeah, but too crazy. There's no depth. There's no depth there. Yeah. There's absolutely no depth. Yeah, top heavy in Boston. Yeah. Well, confirming Tuka Rask was the backup goaltender in 2011, so he does have a Stanley Cup. Okay. Yeah. But not. It's not his Stanley Cup, though. Well, no, 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 no. Sure, sure, sure. But I mean, he's still. still well, his, his, his name. His name yeah. is on the cup, but it wasn't it his. It, it, it wasn't his cup. But I, I'm not. I'm not trying to defend Tuka Rask here. I'm just. I'm just saying that. Oh no! Know, I think Rina hasn't even. Yeah. Well, and I think at least the one thing I would be willing to argue is, you know, yeah, I think you guys brought up the best point so far, and is that Nashville has always had a really good blue line. I mean, look at the the number of guys that have gone through there, and you guys named them. You know. Weber, Suter, Yossi, Ekholm, Subban, Jones. I mean, Ellis, you know, that's... Fuck, I forgot about Ellis. I mean, that's Yossi, that's better fuck. than arguably any goaltender in the league's had in front of them. In... We're talking about regular season conference champions, man. Yeah. <laughs> they crushed it. It's always going to go back to that. Like, that's oh, a 100%. bad PR move, man. Terrible choice. I saw Vegas and uh, Nashville were playing tonight, and it was at Nashville, so they were like mimicking the um, opening ceremony that <laughs> Vegas does before all their mm-hmm. home games. So I just saw a video on Twitter. It was just a real quick clip of it, but um, like you know, like Vegas can always just come back with, "Well, we didn't, you know, we won the Western Conference." And sure, they they get like a banner for that, but they didn't have like a whole ceremony of so you know weird. with the presentation of it, like they had just won the cup, like Nashville did. So I don't know. Let's let's talk about how Nashville wants to be Las Vegas, but they can't be. <laughs> let's talk about that for a little bit. Like if 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 Nashville was wiped off the face of the earth, would you guys miss it at all? No. I mean, it's fun if to go La- visit, but no, if- you could always just do that shit in Vegas. Right. Yeah, like, exactly. we already have Las Vegas, so why why do we need Nashville? For, I guess, the music capital thing, but, you know, sports-wise. Is, cu- is, is country music dope. real music? I mean, it's more than it's more than just country. There's, I mean, obviously, that's what it gets, you know, the big, uh, the, like, all the big stars are usually located around there. But there there is a good rock scene down there. Um I know, actually, my cousin, he's down there, and he plays more uh, rock or acoustic style. So You're teetering on the line of getting fired. <laughs> yeah, Keep I know teetering. you're going for the Nashville Keep aid, teetering. but there's, I, like I was just saying for music-wise, but other than that, honestly, no, I wouldn't miss it. I mean, we can just let Bridgestone Arena fall into a river and call yeah. it a day. Ooh, I like that. I like that as well. I, I really like that idea. All right, so uh, let's get back to Hawks talk. That was a, that was a nice little, <laughs> nice little brief segment. If if the listeners can't tell, uh, everybody, I think, I don't know about Ron, but everybody is imbibing in, in alcoholic beverages tonight. Um, Johnny, let's talk about the moment of the week. Yeah. So uh, Twitter poll we put out earlier today, moment of the week. Um, Taves goal with a crow assist. That was Thursday night against uh, the Rangers. That got thirty eight percent of the vote. Uh, Manning fights VC uh, in the Rangers game that got 10% of the vote. Kane's three-point night won it with 48% of the vote, and Seabrook's power play goal got, excuse me, 48% of the vote on Kane's three-point night, and then it was 4% on Seabrook's power play goal. 
Um, so it's interesting that the uh, top moment comes from a game that we lost, but that was pretty impressive from Kane, and that also put him in the lead um, before Tuesday's action in the NHL goals with 12, or excuse me, 11 goals through 12 games. So so the one thing I find interesting is is knowing what you guys voted for on this. So let's, let's go round table here. What did you guys vote for? I'll start it off. Uh, I actually voted for the Manning fights VC. Um, and I, I think just because of the sheer fact that, you know, I'm very happy. Don't get me wrong. Crow got an assist. I think that's awesome. Um, on the Johnny Taves goal. Um, Kane being Kane is, <laughs> this is going to sound weird. It's almost a shame that Blackhawks fans have Patrick Kane because it, you sometimes don't appreciate how good he is because it's just like, well, it's Kane being Kane. And it's like, well, yeah, but he's because he's one of the best players in the world. Um, you know, and I mean, Seabrook's power play goal. I, I'm glad he's doing it. They need to do more of that. But I, I liked seeing Manning do something that he's actually being paid to do. Hmm. You know, he's being paid to be kind of I don't want to call him a goon because he's not a goon. But, you know, he's a the guy that should be, you know, being the physical guy. And if, if VC's going to be a little prick, Manning's going to put him in his place. So I uh, I kind of enjoyed that. Well, I voted for uh, the Taves goal because I thought it was fucking hilarious watching two Rangers trip like my girlfriend seeing another girl's name in my phone. It was fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, I voted for the Taves goal with the Crow assist because um, I have a point to make about that Crow assist in a little bit here. We'll get to that. But um, for just for highlight purposes, um, uh, he put on a nice move, too. I know those guys fell over and he had it wide open, but uh, it was a nice highlight reel sort of goal. So uh, I voted for that. All right. So a few things here. Number one, uh, I voted for the Manning fights VC. Uh, and my reasoning behind that was, do you guys remember last year when we thought we were going to sign this kid? Oh, my God. Mm, yeah. I was so excited. And everybody wanted him. Mm-hmm. And as soon as those gloves dropped, there was nothing more than I wanted for his ass to get beat the fuck down by a Blackhawk. Um, that kid is a prima donna kind of kid. Uh, just needs to have his ass kind of handed to him. Seems like one of those guys that, you know, is every, has everything handed to him in his life. Um not the first time that we've lost a college guy over to New York, is it? Kevin Hayes. Hayes. He had Kevin a great Hayes, game, yeah. too. Fuck, Hayes was all over the place. Exactly. So uh, I'm always down for uh, a Hawks player to beat some New York Ranger ass, and we kind of watched that. So that's why I voted for that. Number two, uh, Tyler, you just brought up a, a little thing. Uh, I want to know, Tyler, this is a question for you. How does your girlfriend react when she finds a, another girl's number in her, in her <laughs> Bitches be tripping, dog. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, the only other girl's number I have in my phone is my mom's. That's a God honest truth. And I'm not religious. That's, that's that's great wild. there. You know what about you know you know, you don't have any ants. No, nah, dude. Nobody in your phone. <laughs> no one, man. Just my mom great. and my girlfriend. Great. There that's he goes it. lying again. And they're the same person too. <laughs> you know, and and it's really funny. I like to, I like to, I like to fire Ron, but Tyler, you know, you're just really treading water today. <laughs> oh man. Don't fucking hey. clip that, John. <laughs> we're having we're having a lot of fun tonight. We, I mean, we can it, just dude. keep a running tally of, by the end of the years and just find out who got fired the most. I, I'm sure it'll be I me. But I didn't know that I would ever have to fire Tyler. I mean, Tyler seems like good people, but <laughs> you know, he put me through all that turbulence on the way turbulence, into this. Dude, hardcore turbulence. Now I'm he's fired. lying. He's lying to us and the listeners about you know what numbers he has in his phone. <laughs> I hope your girlfriend doesn't listen to this, by the way. Dude, she wouldn't listen to this if her life depended on it. This will be the one that she listens to, though. Yeah, oh, probably. Of course. probably. <laughs> yeah, just wait until right. I clip the teaser video, and yeah. it's just that. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> to do with the Hawks. Wait till you just clip Tyler. the part where I say that my mom and my girlfriend are the same person. Yeah. 
You get you gave me too much gold there. How can I how can I and ignore then, it? And then tag Tyler in the tweet so she yeah. sees it on yeah. Twitter. <laughs> Fuck it, man. I'm all about that. Yeah, and then podcast uh <laughs> protocol, you have to retweet it since you're a member. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk yeah. about the offense. Yeah, oh, I, j- Tony, I wanted to springboard off a little bit um, just because in that, the moment that I voted for, for moment of the week, the Taves goal and a Crawford assist on that because, you know, you're looking in the statute and you're like, oh, wow, Crow got an assist. He, I mean, it really wasn't a direct pass. He moved it up to Keith. Keith kind of skated to the middle of the ice, found Taves breaking in, and then those guys tripped over themselves and Taves walks in and puts a pass Lundquist. But with that assist for Crawford, he now has as many points as Chris Kunitz, John Hayden, and Brandon Davidson, and more than Luke Johnson and Andreas Martinson. So uh, take that in for a second, guys. So I Yikes. I talked about Chris Kunitz last week. We need to talk about him more. I think my, I think my question was, is what is he doing here? And I still want to know what Chris Kunitz is doing here. Does nope. anybody have any insight as to what the fuck Chris Kunitz is doing here? Nothing positive, I'll tell you that. He, I think he's minus four or five, and he has one assist, and that came in maybe the second or third game of the season. And other than that, he's just had some terrible turnovers, has been almost unnoticeable on the ice. And it's frustrating to watch because you figured you get that veteran presence. He wasn't going to wow anyone. He wasn't going to be the guy that he was on the cup teams with Pittsburgh and uh, Tampa Bay when they made a run. But you figured you'd get at least a little bit of production, maybe throw a few assists, be in the right spot at the right time, um, cash in on a few lucky goals. But we really haven't seen any of that, and it's kind of hard to justify even giving him a lineup spot anymore. What, what are we paying him? A million. A million. So let's take the $4 million that we've paid Cam Ward and Chris Kunitz and think of all the other things that we could do with that money. Uh, D-man. Right, exactly. So, why? Mm. Uh, uh, I don't want to get into another Stan Bowman rant, but. Ugh. Well, just think if you took the two-two-five that Brandon Manning is making as well. It's fucking crazy. Six million Brandon, bucks gets Brandon, you a really good Brandon player. Manning is on a two-two-five right now. Yep, two years, two-two-five per year. Well, at least he can beat Jimmy Vesey's ass. That I mean, that's worth at least a hundred k. I think Bowman's just complacent right now. Man, He's seen that the fucking team has had a way better start than anyone, at least from their immediate fan base, thought they were going to do, and probably a lot of the NHL thought they were going to do too. And he's thinking to himself, "I made a lot of bonehead moves, and it still worked out, so I really don't but, need to do anything." But okay, so. That has all come from Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, a little bit of Corey Crawford on some of those wins. Mm-hmm. And Debrinkit. And Debrinkit. And there's only one guy that Stan Bowman is accountable for bringing into that. Right, right. And that's Debrinkit. And that's just the pure luck that Debrinkit fell to him in the first place. And that Montreal was willing to trade a second-round pick for Andrew Shaw. <laughs> right. And pay him that money. Right. So none of the, no, none of the Hawks' success so far this year falls on Stan Bowman. Let, let's be real. I mean, I, I'm I not saying like he's a, responsible for it, Stan but he Bowman thinks he hater, is. But I don't know if he's responsible for any of it. I don't I, think I, he I is. I really don't. No, none of those, no moves made in the offseason have made that big of a difference to where you can say, wow, that is the reason why we won a game this season so far. I mean, do you give any of those wins, quote unquote, to Cam Ward? I don't. No. That's the playing well. He's played okay at times. I will give, you know, you were talking about the three million that's being paid to Cam Ward. I don't think it's worth that much, but... He has played decent at times, and he is three, one and three. So I mean, he did not make great, that but one yeah. highlight save in the in the in the loss to uh, what was it, St. Louis? I think it was St. Yeah, Louis. Where I think he made I remember that that, yeah. that that double stack pad save that was pretty nice. But other than that, 
Um, I'm still not really impressed with anything that he's done. I think he's a serviceable backup goalie, but not for the money that he's making. We can definitely find, and Ron brought this up last week, you can find a backup goalie for less than $3 million. Right. Yeah, 100%. And doesn't have a no uh, move clause. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the other thing. Hey, we're coming up on Halloween, aren't we? Ooh, yeah. Tomorrow's going to be Halloween. Mm-hmm. How many no trade clauses is, is Stan Bowman giving out for the kids <laughs> to come to his house? All of them. <laughs> If you're if you're undersized left-handed, yeah. um, you need to be you know, yes, yes. Yeah, undersized sure. left-handers yeah. are getting no trade clauses tomorrow. Yep, and they show up at Stan Bowman's house. He's literally handing out pieces of paper that have no trade clauses on them. Yeah, so undersized left-handed and fast. But then if you're slow but super tall and left-handed, you also get one, aka Artem Anisimov. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to bring my kids over to wherever Stan Bowman lives tomorrow. Right. Let them ring the doorbell. I want to see if they get a piece of paper that says just no trade clause. I guarantee you that's what he's handing out for Halloween. We've brought <laughs> we've brought this up one too many times, but I'm serious. I, I have a feeling he gives those things out to kids on Halloween. No trade clause. You bet your ass. In, insert the Oprah gif here. You get a no trade clause. You get a no trade clause. Everybody gets a no trade clause. Yeah. That, it's just Stan being Stan. That's what it's felt like. And you know what? We hate to say it, but you could be looking at another one coming up, um, depending on how Schmaltz plays the rest of the season. And Do not get I, Nick Schmaltz trade I'm, clause. I would not, but I'm saying I wouldn't put out of the realm of possibility with uh, Stan Bowman's past year. Here's a question. Do you give Debrinket one? Yeah, that's actually a legitimate question. Let's hear maybe some a, on that. Maybe a mod, maybe a modified no trade where he's got like a ten team no trade list or something like that, and it's on like the back half of the contract or even the how front about, half. How about we try not giving a no trade clause to either of those guys, mm-hmm. and then seeing if we can make a move at some point in time and trade an actual player for something else when they start to falter or their value becomes something that is worth trading that another team would want. Yeah, you're giving Stan too much credit. No, I'm just trying to be logical. <laughs> I think Stan gives gives him one just because it's his. It's like we were talking about earlier. It's something that he kind of brought to fruition, and he's going to take credit for having this player locked down in Chicago for you know the foreseeable future. So I would not be surprised if he gives him one. So here here's a question: Are you guys following the you know? possible expansion team in Seattle situation going on. No of it. I don't know if I'm following it per se though. So with the, with the Vegas expansion, wasn't there an exemption made if a guy was on a no trade clause, they could not go to the expansion team in the expansion draft. I believe pretty much they become automatically protected. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. The only way they could is if they waived it. Right. So here's my maybe conspiracy as to why some of these no trade clauses have been handed out is Stan doesn't want to have to expose any of these players in a expansion situation, which has been, you know, we had Vegas and now we're going to get Seattle. Maybe that's why some of these no trade clauses were handed out is he doesn't really know what the NHL is going to specify as a, you know, in the rules of how you have to expose people. So throwing the no trade clause on there, you know, kind of keeps his core together without having to expose players in an expansion situation. Yeah, no, that's actually a really good point, Tony, because, you know, when they traded for Artem Anisimov, they were all in on him, gave him the extension right away. Um, So I feel like they really didn't want to let that piece slip because for whatever reason, both Q and the front office were in agreement on that, that they wanted Nisimo to be the next second line center. That's what they thought he was when they were trading uh, the first time, Sada Columbus. Sorry, finishing a little uh, sip of beer there. But, yeah, I mean, I, I can't really think of any other reason why Stan would be handing these things out. You know, maybe he is smarter than everybody else. And throwing those uh, NMCs on these contracts allows him to, you know, only expose people who are expendable. Because if you, if you think about it, if, you know, a guy like Anisimov is, is an easy target in a 
in an expansion draft because he is valuable. He's not really a star player. Um, and, and if you had to choose like seven guys, he might fall out of the, uh, you know, fall out of that core and get lost in something like that. Uh, like I said, I'm not, I, I don't know the specifics on how some of this stuff works, but I'm just trying to, I'm trying to, you know, rationalize why some of these NMCs get handed out. Um, and the only thing I can really kind of pinpoint might be, uh, trying to protect players from, uh, winding up being uh, selectable in an expansion draft, um, and that that has been something that's been you know heavily talked about within the league over the past few years. And if you're trying to you know skirt around some of that stuff, that would be an easy way to do so. Yeah, Tony, I know we're all about uh, hot takes and tinfoil hats here, but that might actually be a plausible uh, explanation for part of it. I mean, people are still going to rip them to shreds no matter what, and they may never disclose the actual reasoning behind it. But I, I do like that thinking. At least it helps me sleep better at night. Well, well, thank you. I, You know, sometimes I do come up with a, you know, somewhat cohesive thought on you know what's going on but you know that yeah, is what no, it I is. just i just never thought about it like that but you know when you're talking about obviously the vegas expansion before and then now the seattle expansion pretty much is going to be green lighted i know they have to go still go through the official process but you know you, you really don't want to lo- lose one of those young stars like obviously to would be you know top of the uh you know, cream of the crop for if you're going to pick from the Hawks there. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, you would have liked to have seen the Hawks keep uh, t- at TVR, mm-hmm. but you know, at the same mm-hmm. point in time, you you made an investment in Artemisimov and he had to become expendable. So you know, you throw your NMC on Artemisimov. The 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 Hawks made an investment by trading Artemi Panarin over there, and you know that's it. It is what it is. Or was that in the same deal, Artem Anisimov? Or no, no, it was. No, no, no I'm that, thinking backwards. Yeah. That was that was somebody else. Um, who was that for? Well, Sod. That was Sod. The, the the first Sod deal. Yeah. yeah. Right. So you made you made an investment in Artem Anisimov when you let Sod go, and you know you want to see that player stick. You knew that the Vegas expansion was coming. You th- you throw that extension on there. You put the NMC on it. Because you know that's the thing you don't want to see somebody that you just made a trade. I mean, if for how much we've lit up Stan Bowman on, you know, some of these no no movement clauses and some of these bad trades, how how bad would Bowman have gotten lit up if Artem Anisimov was going to Vegas in the expansion draft after, you know, he was kind of the star player in the return for Brandon Saad. Yeah, it would have been I mean, bad. Think about, think about that one. That would have looked a lot worse. Definitely. So I, I, that's – I'm trying to rationalize it, and that's that's the only thing I could really come up with. Yep. I like that line of thinking there, so we're going to roll with it. Um, so we need to talk a little bit um, about – defensively. I know there's been a couple headlines um, about Henry Yoki Haru um, lately, you know, being what, you know, I think, I think I saw an NBC Sports Chicago one that he's everything the Blackhawks could have hoped for and more, or something like that, something along the lines of that. But, um, you know, got a hand to the kid, 19 years old, and he's leading the team with a 56.6 Corsi 4. Um, I know he had five assists early in the season, but he got back on the score sheet over this past week of games against both the Rangers and St. Louis with two more assists. Um, so, I mean, and then Duncan Keith even came out, Tyler and I were talking about before we even got on the call here that Keith came out and said, you know, it allows him to play his game and then he can, you know, compliment him and he doesn't have to be covering up for a slower or less skilled defenseman like he has in the past couple seasons. So what are your thoughts on uh, Yoki Haru, one of the bright spots, one of the few bright spots of our defense so far? I like him. Um, I enjoy watching him play. I think he's he's definitely more mature, I think, than a lot of people originally anticipated uh, for being 19 and only really having played over here for, I think, maybe two years now, three years maybe on North American ice. Um, 
yeah, he he's kind of got a kind of a there's a calming presence about him in comparison to most young defensemen. Um, you know, if if that was oh, I don't know, think David Runblad when they acquired him and he was supposed to be the next best thing since sliced bread. Um, you know, there was nothing calming when he was on the ice. You were just like, oh, Jesus Christ, get this cha- train wreck off the ice, please. Um, you know, but he, he looks natural. You know, he'll have his moments where he's out of position, but that's just part of the growing pains of being a 19-year-old defenseman in the NHL. Um and to that point, you know, Keith being able to to come out and, and display that confidence that he has in Yoki Haru definitely says a lot. Um, I still think I, I kind of compare this situation. and I think we've mentioned it before on here. You know, when Charlie McAvoy came up in Boston, they played him with Zidane O'Chara. And I think that benefited both of them because Chara was kind of going through a bit of a uh, can he do it anymore? He's getting old, you know, and, and McAvoy kind of sparked him a little bit as well. I think we're kind of seeing that with Keith, you know, I think, you know, Keith, he's for sure not the player he was four or five years ago, but, um, he's definitely looking better this season than I think he has probably the last year and a half. So, um, and I think, you know, there is a big part of that is playing with, with Yoki Haru and that youth kind of sparking him. So, um, I think he has been definitely the bright spot. I did actually see a stat earlier, and I'll try to find the exact source I saw it, but um, all NHL rookies in terms of shots per game generated individually, uh, Yoki Haru currently leads all NHL rookies, I think, with a, a flat 3.0. Wow. So, wow, that's pretty good. Ron, I want to just jump on that since you brought up those uh, you know shots generated, uh, that stat. Um, I saw in Charlie Emiliotis's article about Yoki Haru today that when he was matched up against McDavid all the time that he was out there on Sunday night against him, um, he limited McDavid's line to nine shot attempts, whereas he generated 20 the other way while he was on the ice. So that that's impressive for a 19-year-old. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so I have it right here, actually. So... Um gentleman by the name of Corey Pronman. Um, oh, he's actually a pro- NHL prospects writer for The Athletic. Um, he tweeted out a chart that he, I think he pulled down uh, courtesy of Hockey Reference. And, yep, it's got uh, Henry Yokiharu shots for rookies, 3.0. Uh, the next closest is Warren, F- is it Fagelli, the kid in Carolina? Not sure on that pronunciation. Yeah, Fagelli, Fagelli, I don't know. But he's the next closest at 2.73. So um, so it's a decent gap if you look at the rest of the list. And uh, I tweeted it out, and I can uh, can send it to the rest of the group as well. Um, and, and we can tweet it out from the, the Four Feathers page. But I thought it was a very interesting um, little statistic. Yeah, definitely. Good to see Yoki Haru making an impact this early in his rookie season. So um, another defenseman I wanted to touch on was uh, Eric Gustafson. So they're trusting Gus a lot because he is third among Blackhawks skaters with a 21-14 average time on ice. So he's playing in that top four role now um, with Seabrook in that second pair. But is he really a top four type? Tony, let's hear your take on it. Well, you guys know that I don't watch any of the defensive play. Uh, Pretty weak coming to me on that one, Johnny. Um, I have no idea. Um, You know, I just, I I can't watch the defense play. Now, you know, Eric Gustafson has been around for a few years now. I don't know about you guys, but it is starting to storm over here. Um, So I apologize for the uh, the rain or the lightning that you may hear during this little little brief segment here but um you know I, I like the way that he handles the puck in the offensive zone uh more than his defensive play we really haven't really seen a, a hawks d-man be a you know defensive specialist i think since duncan keith and that might just be the fact that duncan keith has been so good over the past 10 years that 
I can't really compare anybody to him, and I kind of undervalue the way that some of these D-men play uh, just because I have such a high standard. Um, but uh, Eric Gustafson has been good. I, they've been using him on, on the power play a little bit too, haven't they? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so, you know, you'd like to see that out of somebody who's, you know, up and coming, you know, getting that time on the power play, especially because the Hawks traditionally go with, with four forwards and one D-man. Um, so seeing him get the call on, on, the, on the power play, is, is, it, it, speaks, it speaks volumes about, you know, how Coach Q uh, values him and, and uh, uh, you know, evaluates his talent. So, um for somebody like Gustafson to, to, to be getting that kind of time, I, I think is huge. Um, I'm just kind of surprised because he's been around what, like two or three years now that, uh, that they haven't really given him that full time opportunity. I, I feel like last year he didn't really get enough time on ice. I I'd be really curious to look at his time on ice and, and games played over the past few years since he joined the Hawks and uh, ver- versus this year so far, and see kind of a comparison because I feel like he was one of those guys that kind of got shoved away uh, for other players and, and never really fully got the opportunity to prove himself as a everyday player. Um, and I, I think that, that, you know, he could have probably benefited a little bit more and, and been more of a talent if he was playing consistently over that period of time. Yeah. I mean, I think you nailed it on the head there. I just wanted to jump in and add something and, uh, you know, I think that he is, you know, a lower end or maybe mediocre top four player, but I think he's an excellent um, bottom pairing player. And I think that's something that we should keep in mind and hold on to going forward. And, you know, especially with cap space and all the things that may happen in the future, um, he'd be definitely a beneficial person to keep on the team and, and kind of lock down that bottom pairing. Yeah. And, and, just to follow Tyler up with that, I, I completely agree. I think he's for for his skill set because he he is. I don't think he is good enough defensively to be a top four defenseman. I think he he lacks that, um, you know, at least above average ability in his own zone um, that I think most top four defensemen possess. Um, but again, what, what Ty said, you know, five, six defensemen and kind of that power play specialist, he is perfect for that role. Um, you know, and they're paying him 1.2 mil. I mean, they're not paying him, you know, quote unquote entry level, you know, two way guy money. So, um, you know, if you're going to use him, use him where he's successful, use him on that bottom pairing, you know, better matchups potentially as that bottom pairing, um, you know, kind of that puck mover there and then, you know, let him play on the power play and that's going to get him those, those extra minutes without, you know, risking, uh, you know, a bad slip up in the uh, defensive zone when he's on the ice. Yeah. Ron, um, I just wanted to add that, you know, I agree with you that he's not a true top four type just because of his defensive game there. But at this point, you know, they're using him in that role because it's the best available there. And it feels like it's just kind of waiting for reinforcements because you got to figure Connor Murphy's going to jump back into the mix at some point, maybe even if it's midway through the season. Um, and then you could see Gustafson maybe slotted down a little bit further, just depending on the scenario and how chemistry works out between guys there. But it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. But I agree with Tyler's point as well. You don't want to let someone like him walk completely because last time we let someone go that kind of had that offensive game to him um was michael company and now he's a mainstay on the second pairing of the uh washington capitals won a stanley cup with them last year so um should I, we I, give him a no trade clause no but i'm <laughs> i'm just it's something to think about down the road when it's finally up for grabs. And obviously there's still a lot of the season left to play, but yeah, I would definitely take into consideration his puck moving ability and his uh, ability on the power plays. Here's a question. Where does Forsling come into the mix? Do you think that he's, he breaks the lineup or do you think he just gets immediately sent back down to Rockford? Bigger question. Where does Connor Murphy fit? In for Manning, I would, I would think. 
I wouldn't be shocked if they tried Connor Murphy again with Seabrook on the second pairing. Um, because down the stretch last year, I would argue that was probably the the best pairing that the Hawks had. Uh, granted, they were playing a little more sheltered minutes, but, um, you know, Seabrook looks healthier this year, just, you know, in better shape. I mean, he's still not Seabrook of, you know, three years ago. But, but Connor Murphy's a stay-at-home guy, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, for the most part. Do you really want Connor Murphy and Brent Se- Well, I mean, that's that's a really stay-at-home kind of pairing there. I mean that yeah. could that could arguably be if you're looking defensively, that could be your number one defensive pair. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I Seabrook doesn't really have that offensive edge. I know he got a goal the other day, but you're not looking for Brent Seabrook to put up points. You're looking for him to to play a little bit of a physical shutdown kind of game kind of more of a stay at home. I think, I think Seabrook benefits more if he's, if he's going to play a stay at home role. Um, and you've got Connor Murphy who that, I mean, that that's his, that's his bread and butter right there. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's, if you want to put those two guys together, I think that's your, your defensive, maybe shutdown line. But I, I question Seabrook's, uh, I, I question Seabrook on that line more than I would question Connor Murphy and whether or not that you should split uh, Gustafson. And I, th- I think Gustafson, Seabrook, and Murphy, Keith, would be kind of intriguing to me uh, to kind of split the split the roles between the two of them. Let one of them kind of fly the zone a little bit and let the other guy kind of stay back. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what they do when uh, both those guys come back because Forsling has actually played a few games, uh, three games so far for the uh, Ice Hogs. So mm-hmm. he know. is more probably closer to a mid-November return to full action, um, as in being able to be called up, I would guess, um, whereas Connor Murphy still hasn't skated. So he he's still going to be a ways out. I, just, I wish that Forsling would return to form his, I think it was his rookie year. Like the first, like maybe ten games that he played, I remember Q drawing comparison to like Yalmerson, like he was a baby Yalmerson, and he played the same way. Like very every play that he made was safe. Everything was stay at home. Everything was safe. And then somewhere along the line, he either lost confidence or just I'm not sure what happened. Who can say? But he lost that entire game. Like I didn't see that from him anymore. And I just it would be fantastic to have him to return to that. Yeah, without a doubt. Just quickly, I know we want to keep everything moving, uh, but Tony, Gustafson's average time on ice um, in his first season that he spent time with the Hawks, so that was the 15-16 season when he was on uh, what I call the babysitting pairing, which was Seabrook and whatever rookie defenseman was up that season. Um, He was only averaging 15 minutes of time on ice, uh, and that was in 41 games. Last season in 35 games, he averaged 18 and a half minutes. Um, and this season, he's actually averaging 21-14, which is currently good for third on the team. So it's it's kind of nice that he's kind of taken some some steps up in uh, time on ice. I, I just I wonder. I I feel like it will, not only on time on ice, I'd, I I'd kind of like to get a little games played. Uh, statistics on those two to kind of you know figure figure out where those those time on ice numbers kind of go but um it would have been nice to see him kind of getting the kind of minutes he's now he's getting now at the end of last season um maybe he was and if you look at the the numbers over the course of the year uh it might show that but i just feel like he was one of those kind of guys that kind of got tossed a little bit away from everything by guys like Michael Kempney, uh, who we end up trading, but, um, uh, it's, it's good to see that those have increased. And if, if you're going to use them in a top four role, uh, you need to, you need to continue to give them that kind of time on ice. Well, we know we can make a slap pass, which is really cool to see. Um, one of those overtime winners was a slap pass. And then I believe he had another one. I'd, think it was on a power play too yeah one was to Kane and yeah the, the overtime was to Debrinka yeah that's right so love to see that we'll highlight real action from your defenseman so um 
we got a new signing here. Um, I just want to touch on this because I saw this today. Um, forward Brandon Hagel of the Western Hockey League. Um, he was originally drafted by Buffalo in 2016 in the sixth round. Um, but the Hawks today signed him to a three-year entry-level deal, um, 925K annual average. Um, he's 20 years old, 6'1", 174 loves. Um, left-handed shot. Um, this guy's a little intriguing, though, to me because he's got 12 goals, 16 assists, good for 28 points through 15 games a season, and 74 goals, 131 assists for 205 points in 208 career WHL games. So that's just something to keep an eye on. I saw that today. So maybe you can, uh, you know, one man's garbage is another man's treasure, that sort of, that sort of deal there. Um I know it's Western Hockey League, but still, uh, that was just old news that I thought was interesting. So, those yeah, numbers I'll, almost. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what, though. I mean, he he's kind of intriguing. So, um, I was looking into it earlier as well. Um, yeah, he's he's an overager right now. So him him tearing up the WHL is a good sign for an overager. Um, you know, like you, like you said, he's third currently in the entire league right now in scoring. Um, there is a press release kind of piece on the Red Deer Rebels website um, talking about him signing with the Hawks. Um, there's a little, I think it's like a minute 45 second highlight video. Um, it's worth taking a look at because he's intriguing. Um, I, I don't want to give away too much. I want to encourage people to go look that up and, and form your own opinions and conclusions and tell us what you think. But, um, at least from what I've seen, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm excited to at least just kind of follow along with his season. Um, it is worth noting he will stay in the WHL for, for the time being. So he'll stay with the, uh, Red Deer Rebels, uh, likely till their season ends. And then maybe he might get a couple games in Rockford toward, uh, the tail end of the year in April. Yeah, three years on that contract. So that that's just something to keep in the back of your mind. Um, I know we have other prospects to get to here, but that, that yeah. just happened today. So I just wanted to touch on that so fans are aware of it. Um, and max money, too. That's worth noting as well. Okay. Yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on there, uh, just like some of these other prospects. Um, Ice Hogs haven't been – I think they've only had two games since the last time we recorded. Um but Dylan Sakura, two goals, five assists um, through nine games. Uh, Victor Edgesell picked up another goal, so three goals, two assists through eight games. Um, Gustav Forsling, like I had mentioned earlier, uh, no points yet, but he's played in three games, and he's a plus two for Rockford. So it's good to see him getting back into action. Um, hopefully he can provide some relief for this defense um, a little bit later on in the season. Uh, another defenseman to look at there, Darren Radish, one goal, five assists through nine games for Rockford. Um, I know we had talked about his brother being wow. more hyped sort of prospect, but um, he's another D-man in the pipeline for the Hawks. Um, Maxime Shalinov, our guy from last week, um, seven goals, two assists in 20 games for KHL. Um, so he's slowed down a little bit since we last talked about him. Um, Adam Boquist, I did, did you guys see any of the news about Boquist? What happened to him? I didn't see, oh, I, we're talking about different things then. I saw like a, uh, it was almost like a hype video. They were like interviewing his coach and interviewing him and, and mm. kind of going into his type of play and his mindset. But mm. what, what were you talking about? Oh, I thought that he had, uh, taken a hit and I don't know if it was directly to the head, but either way they sat him out for a game because they were, you know. Uh, they didn't want to mess with anything concussion protocol-wise. So, um, But he finally picked up his first goal, so he's got a goal and 10 assists in 11 games for the OHL London Knights. So um, hopefully it's nothing major with uh, Boquist. I don't think it – I didn't see the highlight, but if I was reading one of the reports right, I don't think he got hit directly in that. It was just kind of a reactionary thing into the board. So hopefully Boquist is all right and can get back to OHL action. Uh, another D-man, Nicholas Bodine, one goal and eight assists in nine games in the QMJHL. 
Uh, Philip Kurishev, five goals, 15 assists in 16 games in the QMJHL. Mackenzie Entwistle had signed a deal a couple weeks ago, eight goals, five assists in 14 games in the OHL. And then our NCAA guys, uh, defenseman Ian Mitchell for Denver, one goal, three assists through four games. And center Evan Barrett's got a goal and six assists through five games for Penn State. So... Um, yeah, quickly worth mentioning um, yeah. with those prospects. Nicholas Bodan um, actually, I believe, fractured his wrist. Um, so he is out indefinitely right now. So I think that's something to keep an eye on because uh, he was off to a really hot start for Drummondville. Um, yeah, point, point up in the queue. Yeah, he was at a point per game pace there. So that sucks for his uh, development there. But. Um... We'll update on the entry if we get any more information on that for next week. Um, let's take a look at the week ahead. So we're heading up north, guys. We're going to Canada. Wednesday at Vancouver, 9 o'clock. Thursday at Edmonton, 8 o'clock. Saturday at Calgary, 9 o'clock. So a um, couple hot teams there. Um I know Vancouver's got a couple of young studs, so that should be an interesting game to watch, uh, Halloween night. I think that's the game I'm looking forward to most, um, especially, you know, I, I feel like the Hawks in Vancouver are almost like have similar play styles. It's like very fast-paced, looking for odd-man rushes uh, with terrible defenses. So that'll be a fun one. It's probably going to be a high-scoring game, I would imagine. Yeah, and Elias Patterson is an absolute oh freak God. for Vancouver right now. So he's he's actually a lot of fun to watch. He reminds me of Burray a little bit, just the way he flies down the ice and snipes him. Yeah, last year you thought uh, Brock Boser, Besser, however you say his last name, was taking the league by storm, and then you get Patterson this year. It's like, you know, it's a good crop of young talent there for Vancouver. So definitely looking forward to that one. Uh, finally get a chance at revenge against Edmonton uh, Thursday night. Don't have to wait long for it. Just one game in between there. Um, I really hope we stick it to him on their home ice there. Um, you know, I like those numbers that I heard um, earlier. Yoki Haru, um, for the most part. I mean, you can't shut down Connor McDavid and his line mates completely, but limiting them, um, that's encouraging to see. So hopefully they're ready to go in the second uh, half of that back-to-back there. Tony, what game are you looking forward to most on this road trip? Uh, you know, uh, probably Vancouver, Edmonton. Uh, I don't really get up for Saturday at Calgary at nine o'clock at night. Um, although I'll, I'll be watching it. Um, you mentioned the, the, the payback on Edmonton. Uh, that would be nice, but, uh, it's always really good to beat Vancouver. Um, I have a personal hatred for Vancouver. Um, just with some of the, the playoff series that we've played with that team uh, over the past uh, few years. It's, it's always nice to beat Vancouver. Um, I, I, had, I had grown such a hatred for the, uh, the Sedin sisters that uh, <laughs> no, matter what, no matter what that team does, uh, I'm always going to hate them. So uh, probably Vancouver if I had to pick out of this set. But uh, bringing some revenge to the uh, to the Edmonton Oilers uh, would be nice. Uh, although uh, I don't feel like there's really that rivalry there between those two teams. So um, you know, it's 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 always nice watching Connor McDavid play. Uh, like like we touched on a little bit earlier, that guy's a stud. It, it's really cool watching good hockey players. So um, I'll be interested to see what happens there. But uh, it's definitely Vancouver for me. Yeah, I want to say, do you guys get the same kind of vibe here? I feel like the Hawks-Vancouver rivalry is just dormant right now. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's still a lot of hatred between both teams and both fan bases, but neither of us have, you know, we've gone kind of into a downspell here for the past couple years. Vancouver tailed off, but if both teams get good again, which Vancouver looks like they could with these, you know, crop of young talent, obviously they need a little bit of help in other personnel areas, but... I feel like this could be revamped uh, somewhere down the line if we were ever to meet in the playoffs again. I absolutely agree with that. I think that that's one of the rivalries. I think that they could actually become more of a rival over the next few years than Detroit can. Um, 
I know it's a bit of a hot take there, but uh, I think they have more potential to become uh, better than than Detroit. And there was such a heated rivalry with some of those playoff series um, that you know you. I th- I think the fans kind of hate each other, and um, you know it was just a time when the Hawks were really good and Vancouver was trying to win. It was really cool watching them fail. Uh, so that's that's one of the reasons why I I I like the the Vancouver Hawks game more than I like anything else. I, I want that rivalry back. Yeah, you know what? One of my favorite things is I I just have this feeling that all of Vancouver and their fans they hate Dustin Bufflin just because of his short time on the Hawks. So now I know you know they play uh, whenever they play Winnipeg, he didn't really do damage against them because they were never playing Winnipeg in a playoff series there, but they still have that sort of like reserved hatred for him just because of how much of a bully he was against the Canucks when we played him in the playoff series. Right. So that, I mean, that's, that's the whole thing behind it. Right. So, um, you know, seeing those two teams play just, I mean, it still gets me going even, even if the rivalry isn't what it was, um, it's it's kind of the same thing, like I said, against Detroit. You know, even though the teams aren't really that good, I still want to see the Hawks beat Detroit more than I want to see them beat anybody else. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the, you know, splitting, it was best for Detroit to go to the Eastern Conference just for their fans and TV times and all that. Um, but, you know, Detroit sucks. That's how it goes. Oh yeah, did, did you guys see that the other day? Just now, now that you got me on that topic, Tony, that Arby's is a sponsor for the Red Wings and their oh, promotion. Here we go. Yeah, their promotion at the beginning of the year was free curly fries for when a Red Wings player scores a hat trick. And the Red Wings are so bad and can't score that they've reduced it. To, if the Red Wings, just the team, scores three goals <laughs> in the game, they'll give free curly fries. <laughs> Here's a fucking fun fact about Arby's. Did you guys know that the name Arby's is just phonetic spelling for roast beef? Yeah, I did. I just fucking saw that on Twitter and I was fucking blew my mind. That just blew my mind because I yeah, had no idea. Yeah, don't. <laughs> You're going to have to share that tweet now because I don't believe it. No, so R, it's R-B for roast beef. So you spell it out. You with us, Tony? Or the power gone again? No, the power's still here. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm processing what what just went through my mind. Phonetic spelling. <laughs> That's just went through went through your mind. Yeah, it's too much for me right now. Yeah, yeah. It, it's late, guys. I mean, I can't, I can't be expected to be on top of my game. At and you 11. went through turbulence yeah, I, earlier. Yeah. Yeah. You've been through a lot, man. Yeah, we've all been through a lot tonight. So with that, Are you I gonna think gonna try and land this plane. Yeah, I think I think I think I'm gonna try and bring it back down to earth here. Do it, Sully. Alrighty. One last thing I want to mention um, about the week ahead of games Saturday at Calgary. I know we had said the other ones were more on our radar, but Calgary has the most third period goals in the league. So for a team that you don't really know a whole lot of players besides Johnny Hockey, um, they're getting it done in the clutch. So that's something to look out for. If we do have a lead, better tighten Isn't up in the third period. Isn't half of the old Blackhawks on Calgary? I think for a week still is. But other than that... Um, no, Bullock. He's not who? Bullock. No, Bullock's not. Bullock's gone. Yeah, Bullock's gone. But yeah, so that's just, that's just something to keep an eye on um, with Calgary. That'll be the last game of this road trip, and then the Hawks finally get um, much needed break, uh, and they don't play until that following Thursday against Carolina at home. So um, it'll be good to regroup there. But you know what, guys, this used to be when we would go out west and go on this long trip of games. I know this is only three, but th- to me, this feels like a mini circus trip. You guys remember that when they would go out and yeah. they play the, you know, these three teams that we have lined up, and then they go down the coast and they'd hit uh, San Jose, and then they'd play LA, and then they'd play Anaheim like the day after Thanksgiving in the afternoon. Is this so, the first year yep. they're not doing it, or was it last year? Was the first year? I think it was last year. Last year, yeah. Last year was the first year of no circus trip. Yeah. Gotcha. So I I know it's a different mindset when you're on the road for that long, but um, 
I, I just they remember used to do their Vegas trip there too. The well, Vegas was only in last year, so that was never. Uh, oh, you mean like the team goes to no, Vegas. like the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vegas trip used to be during the the circus trip. Yeah. Yeah. So, just wanted to bring that up because I know it's a shorter trip, but um, but just getting in the mindset of because I remember some of those teams they would go over go out there and they would just absolutely, you know, just kick ass on that trip, and they would take. You know, what was it, seven games, and they would take five of them and take the other one to overtime. So I want to see that kind of mentality. Guys over there? Uh, Tyler's doing some, some fucking he, Yingling Brothers circus. Yeah, he's doing some Yingling there. Brothers circus shit here. So, <laughs> um, But, yeah, that's all I got. So hopefully they have the right mindset heading into uh, Canada for these three games. Um, you guys got any other thoughts you want to share Blackhawks-wise? <laughs> or or life wise, I guess. I I've got nothing. Nothing. Nothing, dude. Nothing. Come on, to- Ron. To- Ron, you've got everything. If you guys want to go uh, listen to my podcast tomorrow, I'm be live commentating on an hour marathon of Ghost Adventures. So, <laughs> if you want to check that out. Yeah, Halloween tomorrow. Um, well, I guess today when we're going to be releasing it. So, happy Halloween. Hopefully you get a no-move clause from Stan Bowman <laughs> in your trick-or-treat basket. Um, and that'll do it. So, I am Johnny Nani for Tyler Jones, Ron Luce, and Tony Marchese. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks, baby. Woo-hoo.